Welcome everyone to Couch Potato Diary, uh, just hours after two new champions crown in the UFC and just hours before an AEW pay-per-view. Welcome everyone, you can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram, I'm at PrimetimeKline, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, and you can email the show Diary at yahoo.com. So, coming up uh, today was uh, not able to watch the fights live last night. Uh, we went to Burt Kreischer at uh, Grey Eagle, and because there was a Flames game on, they didn't show the fights, they showed the hockey game instead. I would suggest they made the wrong decision, given how putrid that hockey game was. Uh, so, wasn't able to watch the fights until this morning, uh, so I'm going to break down the, the two main event fights and then get ready for AEW Revolution. That's on the card today. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Hi, I'm Kim Carson. And I'm Peter Klein, and this is We Had No Idea. A podcast about world events that you know about. But might have fallen asleep for during history class. Or social studies, however you learned history in high school. Each week we'll do a deep dive into important topics throughout history. So whether you already know everything or feel like you need a top up on some history, we'll be here for you. Listen to us each week wherever you get your podcasts. Woo! Alright, so let's begin with the new heavyweight champion of the world, John Jones, with a victory over uh, Cyril Gone just a, a couple minutes into the first round. It's a takedown, it's pressure, and it's a submission. Um, there isn't a whole lot to, to get into, I don't think, from this one. Cyril Gone, uh, I don't think, was ready for that approach from John Jones, I guess. Like, it was just, it was one takedown and it was over, basically, is, is what it kind of felt like. And so, for... For Cyril Gaon, it's incredibly disappointing. That's probably the last we're going to talk about him in this sense, because this is all about John Jones. And we have said coming in that for all of his many personal flaws, and again, just a bad, bad dude, he's incredibly talented, and he is so skilled. And any concerns about his physique or anything like that appeared to not be an overall concern as he was able to, to dispatch Cyril Gaon. And now you look at like kind of what this means because this felt like kind of a super fight type of thing and almost a bit of a novelty, you know, like it, it felt like a uh, Brock Lesnar or someone like that coming into the WWE and just like a part-time like, okay, yeah, this is happening, but what does it really mean? Well, what it really means now is John Jones is the heavyweight champion. This isn't just him coming in for super fights. This isn't Connor every once in a while. This is now your belt holder at 265 pounds. And what it means for the rest of the heavyweight division is you're kind of fucked. And th this is not something I really gave a whole lot of thought about this week because there were so many variables coming into this. But now you have the most talented mixed martial artist to ever do it, comfortable at his weight, now knowing what to do to get to 265 pounds and can live a lifestyle of that, um, or to 247 or whatever it ended up being, is comfortable to get to that. And now he's the champ. And now you have to deal with him. And you look at the other heavyweight contenders, Stipe Miocic, I, I think I think the world of Stipe, we included him in the potential for heavyweight goats. He's not John Jones. And that's that has been the thing that everyone has run into. Like, yeah, Daniel Cormier, Olympic level wrestler, extremely talented fighter, probably would be the fighter of this generation if John Jones didn't exist. 
everybody does. And now Stipe may run into the same thing where I, I just, I don't know if there is one area of mixed martial arts that Stipe is better at John Jones at. Like, I, I don't know if there's, he is so talented as a striker and he's a junior college wrestling national champion. And you saw last night, the dude can tap you out if he wants to as well. Um, with, with submission wins over Cyril Gaon, um, Quentin Rampage Jackson, Leona Machida, like those types of guys. Like it, it's, I hadn't really considered what happens after John wins because now, like, the heavyweight division just feels like it's under wraps for a while. Um, taking a look at it here. Is my laptop on? Yeah, there we go. Um, taking a look at the, the, the UFC heavyweight rankings. Okay, there we go. Um, I, I don't think anyone's going to be clamoring for a Cyril gone rematch by any stretch of the imagination. Um... Like I, I just I don't I don't see that necessarily really being a thing. So Stipe is probably if Stipe is going to be the next fight. Like there there's no there is no question about that. Um after that, Sergei Pavlovich, nope. Curtis Blades, nope. Ty Tuivasa, nope. Tom Aspinall, no. Nope. Sergei Spivak, no. Nope. Alexander Volkanovsky, no. Nope. Um Jarzinho Rosenstruck, no. Nope. Uh Marcin Tybura, no. Nope. Like any of these guys going to beat John I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what like John Jones, I don't know who is stopping him now. The and really, that's been the thing his whole career. You, the only person who has got in John Jones' way has been John Jones. His entire career, that has been the thing. And if he can stay even remotely disciplined, he is going to have another all-time run in the heavyweight division now. Because there is no one who can stop him. And quite frankly, there's no one at 205 pounds. If he wanted to to do the the back and forth, I. He, he'd win the heavyweight title tomorrow, if he could. Um, uh, given his frame and given the, the weight that he has put on in the way that he put it on, I don't believe that bouncing between 205 and 245 pounds is going to be beneficial to him. But now I'm interested to see how often John Jones wants to, to get back into the octagon. Um, we we kind of went over it in the the last little bit. Apparently, he has an an eight five uh, an eight fight contract with the the Ultimate Fighting Championship, so he should be around for a while. But you look at it, um, two fights in two thousand thirteen, one in fourteen, one in fifteen, one in sixteen, one in seventeen, one in eighteen. Two and 19, we got crazy with it. And then one in 2020 before this extended layoff here. This is not someone who has been thrown out there three times a year. I would imagine the UFC is going to try everything they can to make this an international fight week bout with John Jones taking on Stipe Miocic. But all of a sudden, the outlook and the path to a heavyweight championship, which felt a little bit open for a bit there, now seems very much closed off. And quite frankly, the only heavyweight in the world right now that I think has an opportunity to do anything with John Jones would be if Francis Ngannou came back, but that is clearly not going to happen now. So there it is. Um, just quickly again on the, the Cyril Gaon part, th this is now two pretty rough losses to the heavyweight champion uh, in heavyweight championship fights with, um, with the, the loss to Francis Ngannou and now this loss to, to John Jones. And the problem is like a lot of those guys that he just went over again, if John Jones doesn't exist, Cyril Gaon might be the heavyweight, the, the best heavyweight in the world, but he's not. Um, and John Jones does. And so now I don't know what the path is for Cyril Gaon to a championship opportunity. Like he's probably going to beat the shit out of a bunch of guys and it's not going to mean uh, a whole lot um, 
So it's, it's a tough spot for Silgon to be in. In the co-main event, we have a new champion at 125 pounds in the women's side as Alexa Grasso submits Valentina Shevchenko with just 30 seconds left in the fourth round. I knew the result of the fight before I watched it and still didn't believe it. Even as the seconds are ticking away in the fourth round, it's like, oh, maybe I just saw something wrong. And then Valentina Shevchenko with the quick spin, Grasso pounces on the back and is done, son. And I could not believe what I saw there. Like that, first of all, like that is, and she said it afterward, that is clearly the product of preparation. That is what happens when you go through different scenarios in training camp. That is the advantage of having training camp. That that That, that is why Bill Parcells, that's why you lift all them weights. This wasn't weightlifting, but this was going through different scenarios and what to do. And it was Alexa Grasso, Alexa Jeez, Alexa Grasso implementing her training perfectly. Saw the opening, pounced, and that was a back take and a submission of someone who is at a high level of this sport. And submissions are not Grasso's game. And this just shows the evolution of mixed martial arts. You know, 10 years ago, Grasso is just a straight up boxer who might, if she could be fucked, might mix in a leg kick. But now, the sport has evolved to the point where the, the best boxers of the division are smoothly and swiftly taking backs like no one's business. This sport has just evolved so much that like the, the specialist days really do kind of feel done. Even though it felt like they were maybe coming back a little bit with guys like um, guys like Adesanya, guys like Francis Ngannou. But you look like Ngannou wins the heavyweight championship by wrestling. Um, Kamaru Usman went from like strong contender to potential goat because he advanced his stand-up behind elite level wrestling now you have alexa grasso i'm not saying that this is all of a sudden her being gsp but you have alexa grasso who has now elevated her submission game to go behind a strong striking game to counter what valentina shevchenko was valentina shevchenko extremely skilled striker kind of going the gsp route where oh yeah my wrestling is just going to be unstoppable her timing was perfect on so many of those but alexa grasso saw her opening pounced and is very deservedly so the new champion for um, a new champion in the UFC. And now they have three Mexican champions. Someone said on social media, we need a three um, three title fights on a card in Mexico City. Put it in a soccer stadium there. Like wh wherever they put those football games where the stadium falls apart, or the, the turf falls apart, that's where you need to do the, the this one. Put the three champions, Brandon Moreno, um, Yair Rodriguez, and Alexa Grasso put them in the, the main card there and give them that opportunity because it's it's so cool how this sport has evolved now in Mexico. But yeah, this just really shows, I think, the evolution of the sport and the elevation of, uh, or sorry, evolution of, and elevation, I guess, of Alexa Grasso's game. Just could not be more impressed with what she was able to do. For Valentina Shevchenko, this isn't her... Um, falling off, I don't believe. She was looking very good. Like, she she lost the first round because Grasso tagged her a little bit. But after that, anytime Grasso got close, it was either a perfectly timed takedown or a perfectly timed jab. She sensed what whatever timing it was or just a very good sense of distance control. And just anytime Grasso got within striking range, she paid the price for it. And it, it was spectacular to, to watch. She just makes one mistake and she gets caught. And that's... 
That's this sport, man. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing to watch what uh, Alexa Grasso did. So, but, 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 Valentina Shevchenko will be back. Like I said, it does feel like the division is catching up to her. I don't know if this is a division catching up to her. I, I think this is just Grasso got her. Um, I, I think that it's going to be an interesting... Um, Interesting to see the odds for a rematch between these two. Now, Grasso and um, and Valentina Shevchenko. We'll see what Shevchenko wants to do. Maybe she wants to take some time off. Maybe she wants to get right back in there. Grasso against Blanchfield would be really interesting now. So th there's some options now for um, for Alexa Grasso to see. So that is your UFC breakdown. Uh, we'll have more on that throughout the week on Couch Potato Diary. When we come back, it's time to break down AEW Revolution. Some of the music on Couch Potato Diary is provided by Wasted Talent. Find their producer on Instagram at Tommy Fresh Music. AEW's latest pay-per-view venture, Revolution, comes at you later tonight uh, from the Chase Center in San Francisco, California. The main event is MJF, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, defending the AEW World Championship in a 60-minute Ironman match against Daniel Sorry, against Brian Danielson. Ooh, little JR moment there. Uh, let's run through this card. Overall, the build for this has not been strong. And it's it's a lot like um, Forbidden Door, where the build on TV, oh, it's all right. But you know these matches are going to be absolutely fucking stellar, so you just get excited to watch. Like, it, any AEW pay-per-view still feels like a big deal, but... Um, I do think they are pushing it a little bit here. On the Zero Hour, the, the pre-fight show, the, the Sunday Night Heat, um, it is the Dark Order with John Silver and Alex Reynolds taking on the Blackpool Combat Club with Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta. Um, it, it's nice that the Dark Order has some involvement. I, I would like there to be some kind of finalization of whatever is going on with the, the Hagman Page saga. Either he's with them or he's not. I would just like to see them kind of move on from, from this is he, isn't he sort of a, a storyline. Um, I, I would imagine BCC gets the win here. Mark Briscoe and the Lucha Brothers with Penta El Zero Miedo and Ray Phoenix taking on Ari Davari and the varsity athletes of Josh Woods and Tony Nese. This one very much feels like the Lucha Bros with Mark Briscoe get the win. It's such a fun pairing, man. Um, I'll be interested to see what they do when uh, Pac comes back eventually. Then we get to the pay-per-view. It is the final burial. Christian Cage taking on Jungle Boy Jack Perry. Uh, it'll be good for Jack Perry to be elevated out of this one. Um, coming off of a, a real star-making night with the cage match against Luchasaurus. It felt like things have cooled down for him. Like we went from, I'm not going to be a tag team guy... I'm just going to be in a tag team with Hook for a little bit. And now, like, I, I feel like after this, I would like to see a run toward the AEW TNT Championship. I feel like the All-Atlantic title wouldn't be enough for, for Jack Perry. Although maybe him having that as his first real title run kind of elevates that belt a little bit. But I, I think Jungle Boy gets a, a win here. In a singles match, Ricky Starks takes on Chris Jericho. The Jericho Appreciation uh, Appreciation Society has been banned from ringside. Um, just a couple, a, another quick note here. That Christian versus Jungle Boy one, like I, I just said, it'll be good to elevate Jungle Boy away from this. I don't know if this card needed this one. Like, it, it felt a little bit rushed. Like, oh, Christian's back, and now we have a two-week build to this match, which has been building for a long time, but it just... Yeah, I don't know. Um, the match will be phenomenal. Jericho against Ricky Starks. Like, it felt like this feud was kind of done last pay-per-view, and now it's not, and we're, we're getting it again. Ricky Starks should get the win here, but 
like Jericho's entertaining. Ricky Starks is entertaining. This feud has elevated Ricky Starks, but it does feel like it's gone on just a, a beat too long, you know? Um, so that, that's just kind of how I feel. I guess it wasn't the last pay-per-view that Ricky Starks won because, um, Ricky Starks was on the pre-show against, uh, Brian Cage in the AEW World Championship Eliminator, but it does, it does feel like this has gone on just a, a touch too long now heading into to 2023. So I'll be, I'll be fascinated to see where they go with Ricky Starks. And that's kind of the, the main thing for me for this is... It, it, this almost feels like a pay-per-view of, you know what, let's get through this and see what cool shit we have in store beyond some of these feuds. But uh, again, like Chris Jericho against Ricky Starks is going to be good, and it's elevated Ricky Starks. The six-man tag team titles on the line, um, or the World Trios Championship on the line, as the elite of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks with Don Callis take on the House of Black, Malachi Black, Brody King, and Buddy Matthews. Um, it's too early, I think, to take the belts off of the Elite after that, after that wild six, uh, seven-match series with um, Death Triangle. But House of Black is on fire right now. The, this kind of feels like the type of belt that was made for this particular group um, to, to elevate. Uh, again, we're talking about elevating. To, to elevate Malachi Black to, to leader status, get Brody King and Buddy Matthews into a, a championship picture. It feels like this is the exact type of group this belt, these belts were made for, but... Um, I, I think it's a little early to take them off of the Elite. Three-way championship for the AEW Women's World title as Jamie Hayter takes on Soraya and Ruby Soho. So you have, uh, again, this New Blood versus Millionaires Club. You have representation from the New Blood of Jamie Hayter, uh, the Millionaires Club from Soraya. By the way, if it, that, that's not what they're actually calling them. That is a reference to 2000s WCW. Uh, and then Ruby Soho, who's kind of been in the middle of this whole thing. Um... I, I I would hope Hater gets the win here. The the Jamie Hater title run just feels like it is just starting. Um, and so to, to take the belt off of her now, I think would be a mistake. This Soraya um Tony Storm heel turn has been, I think, horribly done so far. And I am hoping there is something coming out of this that gets it to an act two, because act one has been pretty abysmal. The Texas death match between John Moxley and Hangman Page, the build for this has been spectacular with the, the promo work of, of John Moxley and the, the vulnerable promo work of Adam Page. These two work so well together. I'm imagining this match is going to get real fucked up at some points, and I think Hangman Page comes away with a, a, a win coming out of this one. Samoa Joe against Wardlow for the AEW TNT Championship. Speaking of wrestlers that have been fucked around with too much, Wardlow, um, I'm hoping there's some kind of screwy whatever and we can get Wardlow out of the TNT picture and toward kind of the the heavyweight championship picture like a a Wardlow John Moxley feud coming out of this would be I think great fun um and some like just we need to get Wardlow out of this and start to get him back on that trajectory that it seemed like he was destined for when he won the the TNT championship the first time and when he was able to get away from MJF Four-way tag team match for the AEW World Tag Team Titles. The Guns of Austin and Colton Gunn taking on the acclaimed against Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett against Orange Cassidy and Danhausen uh, representing the best friends. It feels too quick to get the belts off of the Guns, but it felt like not the right time to take the belts off of the acclaimed. I am hoping we get an acclaimed win here. Um, the Guns are ver have have done so much better in this heel role, but they just do not feel like the caliber of a tag team champion in AEW right now. Which brings us to the main event of the evening. A 60-minute Ironman match for the AEW World Championship as MJF defends against Brian Danielson. 
it has been um, a bit of a predictable feud after basically the same way MJF has used things in the past where you have to beat everyone from the pinnacle or you have to beat everyone from this group or you have to beat all of these guys from Chris Jericho's past to, to get to me. It, it's, it's stale and it's very much, very much an argument for, well, maybe you switch bookers every couple of years just to freshen things up a little bit or get someone in on a booking committee or something because this feels like a well that Tony Khan has gone to too many times. But the promos have been spectacular. MJF with another way of turning kind of the um, his his real life into storyline here with Brian Danielson, who has been great as well. This does not feel like the time for Brian Danielson. I don't know if it's ever going to feel like the time for Brian Danielson to win the AEW Championship. He's kind of a made man, and MJF is one of the best things going in pro wrestling today. We'll see if there's a clean finish to this or what goes on. I would be surprised if there was because it's MJF and there's always some kind of a some kind of a surprise. My one thought with this is I wonder if we get CM Punk seeing the dark side and joining with MJF in in some kind of like two man power trip thing. That that's kind of in the back of my mind. I wonder if we get a CM Punk because it it's just it wouldn't be an AEW pay per view without some kind of oh my god this person's back. Um, and I, I think maybe we get that with the CM Punk here tonight. So that is your AEW Revolution preview. We will see what we do uh, post-show, uh, for a post-show. It might either be like very early Monday morning as a bonus or something else. But that is um, that is your AEW pre-show. Thank you all so much for downloading and listening this week. It has been a whole lot of fun breaking down UFC 285 and AEW Revolution with you all. I hope you enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, we'll be back to regularly scheduled programming on Monday. I'm out.